0: All right. Um, One of my favorite quotes is from Mike Tyson, and it is, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. I've always really liked that. (laughs) I can't do the voice. He wants me to do the... uh, No, I can't do Mike Tyson. I can't can't do Mike Tyson's voice. Yeah, Mike Tyson. All right, so... uh, (laughs) I can't do it. I can't do it. I mean, I can, but I'm not. So everyone, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Uh, there's so much to say in that statement, but I don't know if you've lived life more than five minutes. You can kind of relate to this. This isn't just a physically punching in the mouth. This is us making all these plans and then something unexpected happen. Um, it's happened many, many times. But at the same time, <laughs> if you've ever been punched in the mouth, it's a pretty humbling experience as well. Um, I was thinking back to a good friend of mine. We were having a discussion probably about six or seven years ago, and I was describing something that happened. I don't remember what it was, and I was trying to tell him. I was like, hey, with, with whatever that happened, I was like, it was kind of like, you know, when you get punched in the face and you, you're, like, stunned. You don't get knocked completely out, but you're just kind of, your knees are wobbly or whatever. And he was just staring at me, like, confused, and he was like, no, I, no, I have no idea what that's like. And I just assume that everyone's been punched in the face, but apparently they haven't. Uh, yeah, so... So I never, when I was thinking about this and, and going through this sermon and thinking about being punched in the face, that reminded me, and then, and then kind of today, and I'm not advocating violence or anything like that, but <laughs> I, I've, I've just got to be real. I grew up fighting a lot, and I was picked on when I was younger and bullies, and, and I learned pretty early on that, like, 90% of, I guess, self-defense or fighting, in, especially in school, is, is just being bold enough to come against a bully or c- come against somebody. Most of them really don't want to fight. Uh, The first real, real fight that I got into, um, this guy was, you know, two grades above me, and he was, you know, had this list. He's like a black belt in karate, and he's the biggest, baddest dude in the school or whatever. For whatever reason, I'd moved from a a close town who were rivals in Louisiana for some reason. It was like gangs over there. It was crazy. And I moved over there, and he had it out for me. He didn't even know me, and he just made up some story that I'd called him a name, and he just kept taunting and taunting every day, and it was the whole fear and intimidation thing. He was going to beat me up. He was going to beat me up. And uh, I didn't know how to fight. I mean, I'd been picked on when I was younger, and I kind of fought a little bit. But this was the r- first real fight that I remember being in. I remember him, it was like the day he came between the lunchroom. He was like, we're doing it today. And, you know, they have the crowd that grounds gathers around outside. And I go out there, and I was like, here we go. And I thought, I'm, I was really going over it in my head. Like, I guess I just throw my fist at his face. That's kind of the thing to do, right? And so I just went out there, and that was what I did. I just I hauled off, like, especially in middle school. Everybody just, or the, the kids would just kind of bow up and, like, touch shoulders and, like, they wanted to fight, but they really, really didn't want to fight. Well, I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> and so he did. He threw his arms down like an idiot, and I hit him right in his face. And, uh, and he fell down, like, immediately. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that worked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so I felt. I was like, wow, I did that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and so after that, after that fight, that was my focus. Not my focus, but that was my plan for the rest of, like, school life and growing up and being a guy when I was younger and I was lost, I wasn't saved or anything. So anytime anything would come up, I would just punch you in the face. <laughs> like, if it felt like it was going to get to that point, I had already been hit before in the face many times when I was younger when I got picked on and beat up. So I didn't like that at all. I knew that was bad. <laughs> and so I thought, well, this works as long as I get the first hit. Usually they have that feeling that I was trying to describe to my friend and they get stunned and you just keep hitting until they fall over. So it worked really well until, no. until, Right. <laughs> Until uh, we'd moved over here. I was living on Dolphin Island, and this was junior year, I think. Um, and we went to a party, um, and a bunch of things transpired before that, that that were leading up to this fight with this guy over a girl It was dumb. The whole thing was dumb. All of it was dumb. We were dumb kids. And, uh, but it happened, and and this guy came up to me and, and at this party and started saying things to me, and he did the thing where he throws his arms down and kind of bows up, and I was like, I got him. <laughs> And I reared back to hit him. Well, I didn't know his, like, grown man cousin was behind me with his shirt off. And he grabbed me before I could ever throw a punch. And, like, eight guys jumped on me. And they beat the mess out of me, like, badly. And I'm swinging. I don't even know how I'm fighting. I'm just trying to fight everybody. And and finally this bouncer guy, I don't even know who he was, and he grabs me and throws me up against the wall. He's like, you need to get out of here. They're going to kill you. (laughs) And I was like, no, I'm going to get them. And then he picked me up off the ground and pushed me up against the wall. And he said, and he got my attention then. He said, you need to get out of here. They're going to kill you." I was like, okay. <laughs> so he put me down, <laughs> and I walked out, and I'll never forget. It was a long walk and dark. It was kind of way out in the middle of nowhere, and those guys caught up to me out there. And uh, whichever one, the whoever was behind me, I did catch him in his nose and busted his nose But every, when everybody jumped on me. Well, he found me, and as soon as, as soon as he found me, I turned around, and he clocked me in the jaw, and that feeling came back. <laughs> and I spun around, and I hit the ground, and I remember thinking, I might die right here. Like, this is... This is bad. Nobody's out here. This is dark. My one friend that was with me, he, and he was 6'4", like 250 pounds. He picked him up and threw him in the woods. This is a big dude. And uh, I was not invincible that night. I learned very quickly that I could not beat up anyone. Um, But I did make it. I was saying all those prayers that you do when you're in trouble, like, Lord, if you'll just get me out of this. (laughs) Like, and I wasn't saved back then, but I was just saying all those prayers that you do, like, I just don't want to die here. So I did make it. Uh, That bouncer guy came back out and got him off of me, and I got out of there. And I'm here. Um, he did. <laughs> he did send one of these fang teeth because I didn't get braces or anything when I was younger through my lip, like it was. I have a hole right there, so I always have a mustache. Yeah, it was like it was pretty, pretty weird. And then I think he broke my jaw. And everyone to the hospital, but I couldn't eat for like a month. He hit me real hard. He hit me for real hard. And I, when I think about, every, that's what I think about when I think of this Mike Tyson quote all the time because I, I mean, years growing up, I was undefeated. Like I was pretty stout, and then I had that confidence going into it. That I was, I was good. I could take anybody. I thought, you know, young and ignorant. But I always think about that. Like I had a plan this whole time. I was like, I'm, I got him. He threw his arms down. I'm good. <laughs> that did not work out at all that night. And when I think about this, even when in life, like I think about, I think about the scripture even from Proverbs 2, talking about man makes his plans, but God directs his steps. We all have plans, right? Like, man, you guys know the story of our house. I'm not going to go back into that. But we had all these plans. I mean. Barn Dominium, house plans, perk tests, like, wetlands delineations. We had plans, but God directed our steps, and we ended up better off than we would have been before. Um, I think about us and our, you know, our small family church, and I think about Gabe and Kelly and y'all's plans coming and not knowing what's, what's going up, but I, I know that with God with you guys, he's directing your steps. I just think that's a really cool thing. Um, I think of Tiffany. I know Tiffany, you, I'm sorry, I use people as examples here. You guys that joined last week, y'all are fair game. Um, <laughs> wait till I get to know you a little bit better all right so I know I know Tiffany you probably weren't planning on a career change anytime soon and, and and not at all but that happened right but God has directed your steps and you're you're in a place where you're learning new things and you're doing something different and, it, and it's working out I hope um, yeah so do I Tiffany's like I hope so too good deal but the, the thing about it is I, I love the way that God puts it and it's it's very, it's very graphic, but it's, it's very clear of how close God is. He says, even if you go and join yourself to a harlot, know that I'm going with you. It's not to say that that's okay to do those things, but he's saying, I'm so close, you can't shake me. It doesn't matter what you do. And we've got our daughters thinking about going to college. She's trying to decide what college to go to, try to decide what career she's going to go into, and all these different things. And I want her to make a good decision. I'm trying to give her as much knowledge as I have, which is very limited because I dropped out of high school. But I try to give her as much knowledge as I have as far as the workplace and what I want her to do. But... No matter what her decision, I know that the Holy Spirit goes with her wherever she goes. Whatever career she chooses, whatever college she goes to, God goes with her. That's hard for me because I'm a dad. And I don't want to go with her. But I know that God goes with her, right? So I think with this whole Mike Tyson statement about being punched in the face, sometimes we, we have these plans and we think that everything's going to work out. And then it, it's not that it's not going to work out. It's just that it changes. And sometimes that feels like a punch in the face. All of your plans go, wait, this isn't what I was expecting. Man, I don't know about you, but have y'all heard of uh was it was it called? COVID? Is it called COVID? Y'all heard of that? I, I hear about it every once in a while. COVID is something something, yeah. It's a video game. A video game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think anyone any one of us were prepared for that. I mean, I don't know that anyone is prepared prepared for the, the ramifications of what came from it. And I'm not gonna go into detail about any of that stuff, but just, thank you. But but just just only I will say this, I to say that we are in an, in an interesting season in, in life, in the world. I mean, it's not just America, it's everywhere. I mean, this is something that's interesting that we're having to traverse that I don't think anyone really was it's a pretty good punch in the face, I think, for everything, for the economy, for all the things that are going on. But going back to understanding that God is with us, he's always with us. He is unshakable. He is not taken off guard. He's not like, oh, no, this happened. He knows. He understands. And I think that when we, when we really dig deep into the heart of God, not just trying to figure him out, I think that's the difference, not just trying to figure out why he's doing what he's doing, but understanding and trusting that he knows the best what's best. I think when we get to that place, we cannot be shaken by these times when we're kind of punched in the face, that we can, we can walk through because it's not just, hey, let's draw out this big chart and it's going to work out this. A is going to always be A. B is always going to be B. No, you may have to jump to C and then back up to B again because God's got a better plan. Um, I love the message version of the scripture. It's Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. It says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unfor- unforced rhythms of grace. I love that statement. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything ill-fitting are heavy on you, keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Who in here wants to live freely and lightly? I think we all want to live freely and lightly. How do we do that? He gives us there, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. We look at these cycles. We have seasons. It starts to cool off. We get excited. Yay, it's cooled off. Now it's too cold. I wish it was warmer, <laughs> right? We're, we're always unhappy, right? And then it's warmer and we're like, oh, it's so hot. I wish it just cool off. Well thank the Lord he's given us seasons so that we have something to look forward to right same thing like I'm exhausted because because I'm old and even even no not even though uh even though Fred's body's not wearing the way mine is so we're that was an inside joke from the other day so we're uh we have all these things and we, and we get weighed down and then we, we look to scripture and we go well well how is this going to fix everything and I think that it's not just Learning the things that we need to do as far as step by step, but understanding that there is kind of a cycle that we're going through every day. We get to like power down at night, some of us, for, for a little bit, and then we get to wake up and it's a brand new day. Something I heard a, a, a pastor say one time I was listening to, he said, "We we all of us have these some days, we're going to do this someday, right? And I, it, it stuck with me for years, I don't remember who it was, apparently it didn't stick with me enough for me to quote him, but... Um, he said, your someday is today. And not, that sounds good for a motivational speech, right? But really, it's, it's real. This is your life right now. This is the life that we get. Um, when we were praying this morning, I was just thinking about, man, I've got breath. God gave me this breath today. I have an opportunity to, to give his word and to talk to people today about him and, and share the good news of the gospel. What, a, what an honor. What a, what a beautiful thing. He, God didn't come just to give us some new stringent version of his law. He came to give us life and give us life more abundant. When, when Jesus died for us and he, and he ascended and then sent his Holy Spirit, it was so that he could have a restored relationship with you. Like, that was his goal. We, as, I know as Christians, and when I first started going to church, <clears throat> I always heard this, this kind of pattern. It was always, whether it was unspoken or blatant, it was we need to get people saved so that when they die, they get to go to heaven. That's awesome. I hope that everyone goes to heaven when they die and see it in its fullness. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is God loves you, and he wants to be with you, and he wants a relationship with you, so much so that he gave Jesus so that he could have that. So the goal for the Christian is to restore the relationship with God and people. That's our goal. When, when he talks about the kingdom of God being at hand, that's what he's talking about. He's saying that you and I carry the power. And he even says, go, and you, when you say someone's forgiven of their sins, their sins are forgiven, not because you carry the power, because you carry the Holy Spirit. So when you say those words and they believe it, it becomes a reality to them. People talk about, well, was Jairus' Iris' daughter, you know, dead or asleep? Doesn't matter. When God says she's awake, she's awake. If she was just sleeping, she could have been dead or sleeping. Doesn't matter. When God says something, it happens. And when He gives when He gives, oh man, this is good. I'll amen myself. Amen. I hadn't said it yet. <laughs> when He gives you the Spirit of God and you speak to someone and you give them the good news and they believe it, it happens. It becomes a reality to them. That's the kingdom of God being at hand. You're not just trying to catapult them out of this world. He says, I don't, I don't wish that you could, you leave this world. I don't wish that you guys leave this earth. I just want you to be one as we are one. Jesus is saying, I want you to know God like I know God. And not only that, I'm going to make a way so that you can know God like I know God. So that you can ask him for anything and he'll give it to you. The, 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 thing, the thing that I love about Jesus' life when we look at it in the big picture, we talk about the meta narrative of the Bible. Um You have to look at the big picture. There's a big picture going on here. You can take scriptures and use them out of context and try to fit different things in different areas or support an argument or something like that. That stuff frustrates me. Look at the big picture. God loves you. From the beginning to the end, from the very beginning, he loved you. He walked with us in the cool of the day. He wanted to be with us. We screwed that up. (laughs) We messed it up. But not only that, he followed us out of the garden. And he chased us down in Christ and said, No, you guys... Couldn't hold up your end of the bargain. This whole blessings, cursings, things of the old covenant. Oh, we did good. You get good. Oh, you messed up. Wrath. Okay, we repent. Okay, you're good again. Okay, we messed up again. What are all these golden calves? Wrath. <laughs> we leave you for five minutes. <laughs> so we have this cycle in the old covenant, and he says, okay, well, you guys couldn't hold on that end of the bargain. I'll make a new deal, and I'll shake my own hand. <laughs> I'll become a sacrifice for you. I'll, I'll, I will make the best bargain ever. I'll I'll make myself a human so that I can see what you see, feel what you feel, hear what you hear, take all that sin and place it on myself, take all of the the filthy, dirty things that I can't be around, I'm going to take them upon myself so I can take them off of you and give you my righteousness in exchange. What a deal. You remember those commercials when people's heads were like, what a deal. How, like, Every time I think about it and talk about it, I think, wow, like how good a deal that is. How did I push that off so long thinking that I wasn't good enough? I 100% wasn't good enough, but what I didn't understand was how good he was. I've said this before. People told me how bad I was growing up when I would go to church. They, they were pretty quick to point out how bad I was, and I didn't need them to do it. I knew. I, I didn't know much about God, but I knew how bad I was. What I needed to know was how good God was. And I don't think that it was ill intentions. I think people with good intentions were trying to help me see how bad I was so that they could show me how good God was. But it was very, un- it was very unbalanced. It was very, it was very sin-oriented instead of Christ-oriented. And the problem with that is, it's, I'll say this, and I'm trying to teach my kids how to drive and, um, and even ride four-wheelers. They rode four-wheelers yesterday, trying to teach them how to get through a mud hole and different things like that. And they did pretty well. I was pretty proud of them. I, was, I wasn't around them the whole time, but they showed me some videos. They were doing pretty well. Um... Anyway, so if, if your only goal is to not, like, go in the ditch, have you ever enjoyed driving like that? That's not very enjoyable if all you're doing is stressed out about the ditches. The joy, I love driving. I love vehicles and different things like that. The joy of life is living life. It, it doesn't mean that sin's not an issue. It doesn't mean that sin's not something that we need to address. It just means that that's not our focus. You, you will have problems with whatever, I don't say you have problems. You will be consumed with whatever you're focused on. Focus on sin, you'll be consumed with it. Focus on Christ, you'll be consumed with Him. Sin will become less and less of an issue. That's how new life works. I'm getting way ahead of myself. All right, listen to this. Colossians 2.11 says, In him you were... Now listen to the tense here. Listen to the words. I'm not going to try to teach you English or anything like that. I do that to my kids too, and they, they love it. They love learning English. Um, <clears throat> but... <laughs> My kids are going to kill me. I keep messing with them. All right, Colossians 2.11. In him you were, see the tense there, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ buried, past tense, with him in baptism, in which you, were, in which you also were, past tense, raised with him through faith, <clears throat> through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead, And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has, past tense, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. Listen, sin is like eating a, a piece of fake fruit. It looks good, but it doesn't taste good. It's actually poison. It'll hurt you. God's not some cosmic killjoy that doesn't want you to enjoy life. He doesn't want you to regret the decisions that you make because ultimately they're going to hurt you. Listen, the reason why he doesn't want you to be unfaithful to your wife is not because he doesn't want you to enjoy a, a sexual experience. He doesn't want you to be murdered because you cheated on your wife. He doesn't want you to be unsatisfied because you think that you're going to find satisfaction in sex alone. You're not. I'll tell you you're not. That's not what that's about. The same, I mean, we, That's a, one example, but you can go on and on. Any sin that he's trying to keep you from is for your good. It's not to make you unhappy or not have an enjoyable life. Listen, if if you've ever really understood new life in Christ, you will see how much better it is to be drunk in the spirit than drunk in alcohol. You'll see how much better it is to to have a good relationship with a with one wife than trying to find some satisfaction in just some acts that you do with strangers. I'm telling you everything that God has for you is leaps and bounds above anything that you could try to manufacture yourself most if not all sin is us trying to shortcut the Holy Spirit for something God has promised you already. Let me say that again. (laughs) Most if not all of the sins that we would try to do on our own is us trying to shortcut what the Holy Spirit and what God has for you, which is much better than what you're trying to manufacture yourself. Sorry, that was a sidebar. Do I? Yeah, yeah, turn turn these rocks into bread. I don't have to. (laughs) My, a man doesn't live on bread alone. I have a God that gives me bread all the time. Same thing with the woman at the well. She's like, oh, I want this bucket that you're talking about because I want this living water. I'm him. I'm the guy you need. I'll give you water that will never run out. You don't need buckets anymore. I mean, it's over and over and over in Scripture that God is saying, listen, I've got something better for you than what you think you want. Here's another thing. This is way sidebar. Your opinion of yourself is even less than God's opinion of you. Most of the time, I, that was a weird way to say that. Let me back up. Um, God's opinion of you is greater than your opinion of yourself even. Most of the time, we're our, most, our, our worst critic. Now, we, we're pretty good at criticizing other people too, <laughs> just being honest. But we're usually our, our own worst enemy as far as criticizing what we do. What do you do when you look at a picture of yourself, right? You zoom in and find, where am I? How do my teeth look? Is it my good side? Is my shirt right? You know what I mean? We are our own worst critic, and that's just image. You want to dig down deeper into personality, giftings, um, whether people like us or not. You know what I mean? We, we will beat ourselves up about that, and God fixes all that when he says, I've got the greatest opinion of you. You are my son. You are my daughter. I knew you in your mother's womb. I could count the hairs on your head. I know everything about you, and I love you, even the messed up parts. I love those parts, too. I'm going to help you. We have to see that, that the greatest opinion of you is of your creator. All right. <coughs> having, forgiven us, having forgiven you all all, all <laughs> trespasses, having wiped out the handwritten requirements that was against you was contrary to us, and he has, past tense again, taken it out of the way. Having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding a festival or new moon or Sabbaths, basically rituals, man-made rituals, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward. Man, what a statement that is. If you've ever been caught up in man-made religion, you, you will see very quickly of how you can be cheated of your reward. You will be... Mi- I, mm. <laughs> I think there have been times where I've been more miserable around churchgoers and in a church setting than I have out in the world. For sure. said that. For sure. <laughs> For sure. And I'm not trying to beat up the church because God loves the church. It's his body. Be, hear me out. I'm just saying that man-made religion will, will try to rob you of the gift of life that God has given you. Don't let it. It says it right there. It will cheat you of your reward if you try to turn this into a system. It's not. This isn't about money. This isn't about control. This isn't about power. This is not about a hierarchy. If it's, about life. it's about life. It is about life. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> The substance is, I'm getting ahead of myself again. The substance is Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in, man, listen to this, in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind and not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died, past tense again, with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish which perish with using them, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things, indeed, have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, false humility and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Wow. This is what many of us found ourselves trying to find a hospital to fix all the wounds that we had in a church setting because we got on this hamster wheel of man-made religion and tried to fix ourselves even though Christ had already fixed us. This whole past tense thing, we are to live from Christ, not towards him. We live from victory, not towards it. This past tense thing, we have a new life and we live forward in this new life. We don't try to get to it. We have it. We possess it. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's literally right here. We, we have the kingdom, and everywhere we go, the kingdom goes with us. This idea, and this, is, this was common when we had little girls, and we, we fell into it, too, of this Christian environment. We want them to be in a Christian environment. Um, unfortunately, we tried, to, we tried to create that everywhere we went, um, or we tried to get them in places that was a Christian environment, but it was all external. Listen, if you have the Holy Spirit, everywhere you go is a Christian environment. Do you know that? We have to understand that you have influence everywhere you go if you have the Holy Spirit. I I, I always use this example because it, it was really relevant to me, especially early on, is I, th- I believe God is less concerned with uh, your coworker that cusses a lot than you than he is your bad attitude towards them. I think that he's more concerned with, with loving people right where they are, regardless of the situation, how they are, than of you judging them for something that's very minimal. I thought about this this week. Uh, I heard... Uh, pastor preaching about when they travel, they only uh, they only go out to eat when they can afford to tip twice the amount of whatever the meal costs. And it's a large group of people that go. It's his whole staff. And I, that, that stuck with me. And I'll be honest with you, when Trace and I first started dating and got married, I was not a good tipper. I was very cheap, she'll tell you. And and, and I, I, I mean, I just was. And it was just hard for me. And I wasn't in the service industry, but I did later on when we got in debt. I worked in the service industry. I worked as part-time as a, a a, a for a catering company and I learned a little bit about what that looked like and it was a humbling experience to understand what that is and over the years I think the Lord really highlighted that to me and I thought about it uh, just the other day I went over to cruising the coast for a couple hours and I stopped by, I was by myself I stopped by Waffle House to eat and they were super busy because of all the people and I was just kind of praying and thinking and, and going through things and I kind of blessed my food and I thought I'm gonna do what that guy does I'm gonna I'm going to bless this waitress. They're working really hard. I'm going to do double whatever my meal was. And it wasn't like a ton of money or anything, but I thought that'll bless them. It'd be pretty cool. And I, I am better at that. It's not just the other day, but we did, I, I'm better at tipping people. I encourage you to do the same thing. But I thought about that, about how in the service industry, when I hear people talk about a lot of churchgoers after church are some of the worst people that they deal with. That breaks my heart. That really breaks my heart. And here's what I want to encourage you. I, I think it's good that we bless our food, bless your food. There's nothing wrong with that. But even more than that, I encourage you to tip well. Because I think that God is delighted more in that than he is just us doing something ritualistic as far as Lord just bless this food. Thank him for the food. There's nothing wrong with it. But just doing that, I think there's, I think there's more substance to it, talking about substance here, and, and really reaching out and blessing someone else. And for someone that's having a hard day, an extra 20 bucks makes a big difference, or 30 bucks, whatever it is. I mean, could change them. And even if it's not money, if you just love them or share or pray for them, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah, you're exactly right, I'm, and I'm not trying to say that I'm awesome or anything, but I did say that to that waitress, I, I was, I was curious, because I was by my, I'm not normally by myself like that, but I was just, every year we say we're going to go to the cruise on the coast, and every year something comes up, we can never go, and I had a couple hours Friday morning, after I dropped the kids off, I was like, I'm running out there and check out the old cars, and so I did, so I was by myself, and I was like, man, I don't have anybody to talk to, and I'm, I like to talk, so I, I asked the waitress, I was like, I, you guys are pretty busy, and she was like, oh, Yeah. Because all the crews on the coast, and I was like, "You," and I told her, "I was like, you guys are doing a great job." She's like, "Thank you so much." And I was like, "Cool," but yeah. I, I've got a suggestion. If you're not going to tip well, don't pray so they know you're a Christian. You're bringing shame. <laughs> Give us all a bad name. <laughs> you're you're bringing shame. Same thing, I want to say it out loud. Yeah. Maybe we need to say it out loud more. Maybe we need. I mean, we need to talk about this stuff. Be, I mean. Oh, my gosh. Don't get me started on tracks. <laughs> Look, none of us need a fish on our car in mobile traffic. I, don't think, I think all of us would fall short. What about a Pure Grace bumper sticker? Should oh, what, a Pure Grace on? bumper sticker? <laughs> yeah, I've got one. Um, but it's grace. Yeah, at least it says grace. They're like, oh, i got to give you grace. Oh, you got me. Oh, catch twenty-two, yeah, Christians. <laughs> Jesus, Juke. All, right. all right. Here's something. I love laughing. It's okay to joke around. <laughs> but with something, I, so I will say this. Just just because I thought about this uh, this week too. One of the I love joking around, and I'm. I'm sometimes I go too far with it. Um, I don't know if you guys do that. Sometimes I go too far with joking around, but I will say I. Have you all ever heard of the Babylon Bee, the little satire yes. thing? It's hilarious. It is hilarious, but I did not. Fo- I can't follow them on social media, and I'll tell you why. I, one reason is because I have enough of you guys that share them with me. I don't need any more. And they are funny, and some of them are actually make some really good points. But I, my only fear of that kind of stuff, and I'll I say that about me. It may not be about you, is that I get too comfortable poking at the church sarcastic. and sarcastic, and it can get. It, it's it's a very slippery slope because we are the body, and. If someone was making f- we're, the, we're the bride of Christ. If someone was poking fun at my wife, even if it was funny and it made sense, I'd be upset about it, right? So I, I, got, I got to kind of balance that. So I'm not saying don't send them to me. Just be easy. <laughs> Just, but the thing is, I don't want to get, let me see, how can I put this? I don't, want, I don't want to lose really the awe of God either. I don't want to make light of something radical that's happened. It actually happened this week, um, and Buddy's not in so I can so I can pick on him. But he was was joking around about somebody interpreting dreams, and in, it was in the we had just joked around about something else. He wasn't joking; he was really had a dream, and he was going to have somebody interpret it. And I was like, and I laughed, and I man, it crushed me because he was like, no, seriously, and I had a dream, and I had, you know, so and so interpret it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like such a jerk. I thought he was messing with me, and I know for sure. I mean, I you know me, I know we have dreams and visions, and anyway, that really hit me hard, and it reminded me of that same thing. We need to be careful with that. Like we need to, I mean. Have some wisdom about it. I'm not saying you can't joke around. We can joke around, but like I said, we are the bride of Christ and we're the church. Be careful poking too much at the church. I don't think God's too crazy about that. All right, I'll move on. Step on my own toes up here. Um, God desires mercy over sacrifice. This, this, He said that to the Pharisees when they came up to Him and they were getting on to Him about feeding people on the Sabbath and doing these things that were unlawful. And when Jesus said it to the Pharisees, He was basically He knew they knew the Torah. He knew they knew the law. By saying I desire mercy over sacrifice, they should have gone back and seen in the Torah where it said, where where God was telling, basically getting onto them and telling them how angry they were about them going through the rituals and not loving the orphans and the and the uh, and the widows and caring for people. Basically, he was trying to, and I love this about Jesus. He was teaching the Pharisees in a way that they should have understood. He loved them too, as much as he was aggravated with them. He loved them too, and he wanted them to see. I mean, he met Nick at night, and you know he did he did all these other things. But he, he wanted them to see too. And so when they came at him, he didn't just get angry and just shove them off. He gave them something to chew on. They just didn't chew on it. They came back and attacked him again, unfortunately. But that same sentiment is, is for us today. He, I desire mercy. I desire you to put, and, and just like the Bible tells us, to put our faith in to show me, show me your faith. I'll show you my faith by my good works. We are to put faith in action. Love is not passive. It's, it's aggressive. It's real. We The whole living from Christ these works that we do, that's sometimes a dirty word in grace churches. It's, it shouldn't be. We work from grace, not towards it. We work from Christ, not towards Him. We have works, we have stuff to do. Thankfully, grace has taken all the junk that we had self centered around us, come and getting resaved and rededicated every Sunday. You can push all that aside because it's done. Remember all the past tense? Done. Boom. Dead as doornails in Christ. If you were born again, you're born again. Stop trying to get born again again. Get about the business of reaching people and loving people. Your calendar just got cleared up. Stop going, oh, Lord, please forgive me for this. He doesn't say, ask for forgiveness of sins over and over again. He says, ask for forgiveness of sin one time. He says, confess your sins one to another. Don't get those two mixed up. Confess your sins one to another because we need to know that we both struggle with things. We need to know that we were talking about this just a minute ago with Bill. Iron sharpens iron. You see something from a different perspective than I see it, and I need to hear it. I see something from a different perspective. You need to hear it. You need to know that you're not crazy because I deal with the same things you deal with. I spent four hours in a truck with teenagers yesterday. You don't know what kind of drama I dealt with. No clue. You don't know what that's like if you haven't done it. I've been to war. Anyway, I got scars. (laughs) Country music scars is what I got. All right. So I'm just saying, no. (laughs) I digress. So no. Know, know that. W- <laughs> All right. I got to focus. I'm already over a little bit. Mercy is receiving something you don't deserve. No one you run into today will deserve the kind of love that God gives them. You didn't. Don't, don't try to make them live up to some expectation that you didn't have to live up to. The scripture that says we love because he first loved us, it's agape. Love has different meanings. The word love is not just one word, really. What he says is, you in essence, he's saying you can't agape until I give you agape. And you can't give away $10,000 unless you have it in your pocket. You have to receive unconditional love to give it. You don't possess the power to love someone unconditionally. I hope that frees you. Not don't, I don't want to bind you, bind you up with that. I can't love my wife properly, but God can help me love my wife properly. I can't love anyone else or, or be good enough for anyone else, but but God can help me do that because he gives me a love that's different than my kind of love. Our love is conditional. You do for me, I do for you. I call it hustle. It's what I knew growing up. Growing up, It may, it may not say it, but if someone's nice to you, they, you, you owe them something. That's not agape. That's conditional. Unconditional. Yeah, <laughs> so I get it. He, get, he did the... You know what this is. Mm. Someday. The Godfather. And what's funny is, uh, who said that? It was uh, Bill, no. (laughs) It was Brando. Not the real guy, but Bill, uh, Bethel, Bill Johnson. Bill Johnson said we've treated uh, God the Father like the Godfather. And it's ridiculous. He's God the Father, not the God. He's not waiting for you to repay him anything. He's given this freely so you can give it to everybody else. The thing about the good news, and I'll wrap up with this. The thing about the good news is exactly that. It's good news. You don't have to convince anybody of it. You just need to give it to them. Throw it, like he says, cast these seeds. We all, get, we all get hung up on what kind of soil it lands on, and we shouldn't even get hung up on that. Cast the seeds. You can't make the increase anyway. It's God that makes the increase. The only thing he's talking about the different types of soil is so you don't get discouraged. That's all. Don't get caught up in it. Throw the seeds. You can't make the increase anyway. Keep throwing the seeds. That's all he's saying. When What I love about the good news is, This reminds me of my my latest position when I moved. I worked 18 years um, at Mobile Paint, work selling paint and equipment, and when the time came for me to leave, I stressed out because I was a high school dropout with no formal education, no other experience in anything but paint and paint-related products. Um, But but the Lord worked that out for me as well, and I got a position with another company. Well, when I was working in sales at at that company, we had to do the whole sales thing, and I'm not a salesman necessarily. I didn't even want to go into sales because I didn't want to be a slimy salesman because I don't like that type, like, hey, what can I do to get you in this car kind of guy. I'm not. That's not me. And I even apologize constantly when I feel that way when I'm in a conversation with someone. I'm like, I'm sorry, I sound like a salesman right now. I apologize for it all the time because I'm like, that's not me. But what's beautiful about the company that I'm with, and I'm getting somewhere with this, is the company I'm with, we don't do cold calls. We don't look, I don't go out and look for business. I don't knock on doors. The company I'm with now, is it's a different model. We have equipment that people want and they need, and it helps their company. It's a pretty cool thing. I never knew this existed until I, I'm in it now. We, when I worked at the other company, we just sold things. With the company I'm with now, we're like on the cutting edge of technology. We have all the new things. We have the things people want. And the companies that manufacture it, we don't make anything. We just sell it. The companies that manufacture the things train us on it so that they don't have to deal with customers. So we're just in between. It's pretty cool. I, I, see, I see the Holy Spirit all in it. But we're just in between these two entities And people come to us looking for the, or they go to the manufacturer looking for the equipment, and the manufacturer sends them to us, and we show up, and we're like, hey, we're here to save you of all your troubles with all this great equipment. And not only will we sell it to you, but we'll walk with you through it, and we'll show you how it works, and we'll help you, and we're the whole nine yards. Like, we'll do the whole thing. The cool thing about that is it's win-win. The example I always give is John Deere in Thibodeau, Louisiana. We sold a piece of equipment. They wanted to save at least 20% waste savings. They just don't want to waste. They have to pay to haul all their paint waste off. They wanted to save at least 20%. We said, we feel like we can do that. They said, well, we, if you can save us 20% waste savings, we will cut you a check for like half a million dollars for this equipment. And we said, and they said, we don't think you can do it. We saved them like 60-something percent waste savings. Wow. They had a, you know what an ROI is, return on investment? They had a return on their investment in less than a year. That's unheard of. They made that half million back in a year because instead of carrying off drums of waste, their waste that they would spray in a bucket at the end of the day had, just had thinner and paint in it would evaporate before they could haul it off. They had almost no waste. So they made all their money back, and now they're making even more money. And we made money because we marked the, the product up, you know, whatever. It's not a perfect example of the gospel, but you get the point. <laughs> so we made a little bit of money, too, and we helped, and I put food on the table, and everything worked out. But it's win-win because our company wins, the manufacturer wins, the customer wins. We have this idea that someone has to lose this is something, I don't know why we get in our heads, that, it's, that you, have to, you have to twist somebody's arm and get them to, get them to go to church. God's not, not just wanting people to go to church. They want to give people new life. Church is beautiful. We want to get people to come to church, but you, you don't need to go out there and try to get people in church. You need to go out there and give people new life. I hope they come to church. We can talk about it, but it's a great byproduct. Yeah. This doesn't deserve the microphone. It's not a zero-sum game. <laughs> <laughs> that did deserve a microphone. If you haven't heard, that's an old inside joke, too. Zero-sum game. So, last thing. I'm bad pastor. Last thing. Last thing for the fourth time. There was... Bad pastor. I'm landing the plane, right? Is that what they say? Um, there's a movie I'll ruin. It's a spoiler alert. There's a movie that... that uh, I won't tell you what the movie is. I'll just give you the example. There's a movie about... It's a really good movie, though. Okay. It's old now. Okay, I'll tell you what it is, it's the, if I can remember it, it was the second, it was a, Tracy's getting frustrated with me, it was the second, it was the second movie to the, God, I'm terrible, I don't remember the name of it, anyway, this guy's living underground and he's saying all these aliens are coming, to go down there, this guy's crazy, and the whole, what is it, it's not red, Cloverfield Lane, 10 Cloverfield Lane, it's the second movie, anyway, very good movie, John Goodman should win won an Oscar, I don't know if he did. Go in there, it's John Goodman, he's crazy. And the whole movie is convinced, or you're trying to decide whether he's crazy or not, whether there's aliens outside or not, but he traps these people in there. Well, <clears throat> at the very end of the movie, you're convinced he's crazy. And he is, 100%, he's crazy. But when she gets out, there are aliens. So it was something that I realized at the end of the movie, our mind has a hard time reconciling those two things. Either he's crazy or he's not, and there are aliens or they are not, but both of those things were true. The aliens were there, but he was crazy. <laughs> like, you'll see throughout the movie, he was, he was off his rocker. But there were aliens. and I think it's the same way when we talk about the gospel. No one has to lose. It's not like this thing that you have to twist people's arm and you have to trick them into coming. Don't trick people into coming to church. They won't like you. <laughs> don't do it. It's not, that's not that kind of game. Cast the seeds. Give the good news. That's it. Let, watch God with the increase. You don't have to see all the results. Stand up. I pray and you guys can go eat and tip your waitress well, our waiter. Only, only pray if you're going to tip well. We did, if you learn anything today, don't bring us down with you. I'm just kidding. Zero-sum game. Father, we just love you. We praise you. I thank you that um, you, <coughs> you didn't die to just give us some new set of laws that we couldn't keep. You died to give us new life. And you didn't just die, but you were raised to life. So that you give us that new life. And just as you were telling us in the circumcision of our hearts, Lord, we have been given this gift of life. Help us to live it to its fullest Lord, help us to see that our someday is today. Let us see that this Holy Spirit that you've given us is powerful. And and it gives us power to change the atmosphere of a room. It gives us power to build those up that are around us. Lord, Lord, have your Holy Spirit highlight people to us that need to hear from you today. Today, Lord. Thank you for bringing your kingdom with you when you came. Thank you for leaving your Holy Spirit with us so that we could have you with us all the time. In Jesus' name, amen.